There is so much investment in healthcare right now. What is healthcare? They now have to understand. They have to be involved and they have to be engaged. Hello and welcome to the RevTech RX podcast powered by Avlead. I'm David Kozlowski and today we're talking all about revenue and KPIs. Alongside me is Javad Sheikh, CEO of Avlead, Michael Kiddo, a CFO in the healthcare industry, and Greg Forshi, who is the VP of Client Success. The simplest question I have to kind of start this off is, what are the biggest goals in terms of a CFO? What are you trying to accomplish every single day, every year, quarter, you name it? Well, from my perspective, it's really serving the community that you live in, um, which is not always an easy task. There's many things that go into that, but that's what I feel that I'm there for every day is making sure the hospital can meet the community. needs of the community today and tomorrow. The key part of that, right, is to put the, uh, where the rubber meets the road is, is making sure that the, the hospital survives, right? We talk a lot about no margin, no mission. I know that's one of Greg's favorite quotes as well, too. So that's the key responsibility, I think, uh, of the CFO and Michael is to making sure, yep, we're able to take care of the community what we need to, um, and to be able to support that community and to be able to support that mission, you have to have a margin and how are you able to do that? Yeah. Sounds like if, if a CFO is saying that, I would assume everybody has the same goal and mission, right? To keep the lights on the hospital, which is therefore, in fact, serving the community. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to say that the number one goal is to serve the community, how are you doing that as a CFO? Well, you know, the saying of cash is king is important because it's really one of the key metrics that I look at for the organizations I've led uh, as a CFO would be days cash on hand, um, because that really tells you critically of how well you're able to continue should all your sources of funding cease for whatever reason. And there's risk of that or change significantly, whether it's regulatory changes that happen uh, with Medicare, Medicaid, uh, those types of things happen. So you really have to have sufficient cash reserves to be able to weather those, and should those events happen, be able to retool um, to what the new environment's going to bring. And over the last few years, we've had to do a lot of retooling. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask, what is the standard in your mind of this so much cash on hand you should have in terms of length, timeline? It really depends a lot on what your spend is. And, and of course, that's one of the factors that goes into days cash on hand. But, you know, at minimum, you know, a critical level uh, that you look at from a rating agency perspective is about 80 days cash. And, you know, that's kind of the threshold that you'd like to have because when I talk about retooling, um, should a significant change happen in your community, your region, uh, whatever, you have to be able to retool and have an 80 days cash, you know, can buy you um, some time to retool. Interesting. And have you found yourself something that's maybe scary? Like I've only got 30 days cash on hand. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I have absolutely have. I've, I've had um, organizations where I've had very comfortable cash levels and some that were very uncomfortable cash levels. Um, you know, I, I can share one organization I was in, uh, cash levels went down to 10 days cash on hand. Um, and there were a couple, 
you know, pay periods were for payroll, uh, I had to tap into a line of credit to make those payrolls. And that's a very uncomfortable position to be in. Um, so really building the day's cash is a, is a critical factor uh, to uh, allow you to be strategic because you don't always want to be focused on the current. You want to be building for the future. And uh, having some cash reserves is important for that. Is your scenario that you're speaking of more common than not? If I walk into a hospital, I assume everyone's rich. Like, this is a ton of money in here. <laughs> Doctors are making tons of money. Nurses are. Then I hear 30 days, we got to tap into yeah. you know, credit. Is that more common, this scenario these days, or is it not? Is that rare? Uh, it, it's uh, probably more common than one would think, but it's not the norm. So it's, it's you know, it's probably 10 to 15% of hospitals are struggling uh, that those levels on a daily basis. Uh, it sounds to me, right, that all I need to do to be a CFO is just have 90 days of cash or 80 days of cash, right? And uh, be prepared to serve the community, and I'm a CFO. Am I right on this? Yeah, or it's really something? that simple. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 What are the things to do to get from the 10 days to 90 days? Like, what can we... You know, I think Michael addressed or talked on this a little bit. So really a couple key things are looking towards the future, right? You can't be so so short-sighted that all you're focused on is I only have 10 days or I only have 20 days because then you lose the opportunity that probably exists there. So what I've seen a lot of hospitals do is they do a service line analysis, really saying what which of our service lines are the ones that are we're losing a lot of money on or the service lines that we're actually making a a decent margin on that'll allow us to increase that day's cash on hand. So, you know, the reality is once you do that service line analysis, if you say my OB department or my L&D department, we just aren't delivering enough babies to actually cover the expenses associated with staffing that department, you might have to make the difficult decision to say, you know, it's costing us X amount of dollars every month, every week, et cetera, which is hitting on our day's cash on hand. We have to close down that department, right? And so that's a difficult decision that CFOs have to make. But you know what? It, it's the only way that they're going to get over that hump and actually make any leeway is to say, we have to close that. If someone has, needs to have a baby, we'll have to send them somewhere else to a facility somewhere else, which is, is just something that has to be done to be able to, to take that analysis and make do some initiatives around increasing our day's cash on hand by performing that analysis and saying, what's making us money and what's costing us a lot of money? So what would you say some of the tools and a CFO's tool belt would be in this particular situation? Sure. There, you know, there's not, you know, one key tool to it. I, Greg touched on an important one, which is your, your service line review, uh, that you're really looking to optimize your service lines and, and, uh, go across those. Um, when on the revenue cycle side, uh, there's, uh, a lot of opportunity there to look at. Um, are we capturing all the the revenue um, for the work that's being done? Are we uh, billing for it all? Are we collecting for it? So the revenue cycle is is typically ripe with a lot of opportunities uh, to uh, what are your denial rates? Are we working those denials appropriately? So many opportunities within there. Um, productivity in an organization is really key. Uh, you have to have an effective productivity tool in place that with volumes change that you're flexing appropriately and adjusting the workforce accordingly. Um, so it, 
there's there's many different tools that we have to use uh, to really assure that the cash um, is in the best position it can be in. I hear sometimes chatter that's mixed in relation to some of these tools that you're talking about, uh, especially in the revenue cycle area. Do you find that these tools are of massive value? And I give just kind of an example. I, I see a lot of marketing out there that's like the 1% to the 2% that we're going to save you. How much of an impact does that have on you? Uh, it, it can be huge, you know, uh, a 2%, you know, increase in your uh, net revenue. Uh, is enough to make a big difference as long as you can keep your expense structure um, stable. You know, uh, it's about the return on the investment. If you have to make investments, they need to generate cash. Hypothetically, if a CFO said, yeah, I don't really care about the 1%, what would your thoughts be of that individual? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, it, it, I think it's circumstantial. It depends on what, you, what your situation is. That, that organization where I was with 10 days cash on hand, that, that was a huge thing. I could maybe go to sleep at night um, <laughs> yeah. with that 1%. But, you know, if you're uh, another system that, you know, is, is uh, 500 days cash in hand, you know, that, they're probably like looking for something more significant than that. Just to add on to that, right, from, from a CFO perspective, a lot of it's like, hey, what's the ROI? It's just like... I don't care about that 1% depending on what cost, right? It's like, hey, am I spending half a percent just to get that 1%? So I think putting it in a perspective yes. is um, a big deal. Um, and then just to kind of expand it the way um, I look at KPI, and I think this is in general for all business, but especially for healthcare CFOs as well too. I kind of like, hey, I want to look at how we did, right? They'll look at their monthly numbers. How was the last month? How was the last quarter? Then I want to look at where are we now, right? Like a lot of the cash at hand or the, mm-hmm. that calls into. And then the last is kind of forecasting where are we going, right? To, that's right. to tie it into what Greg was saying. If I know, hey, this is what the market's looking for. This is where I want to turn these services on or off. Um, I think having KPIs, there's so many KPIs, so many metrics mm-hmm. that you got to look at. But if you are able to analyze what's working or what's not working, what can you do real time with the data that you have to fix the today? And then what can you forecast and what we can say, hey, based off this forecast, what business decisions I need to make? If we're forecasting and we forecasted another project or something else or through our service line analysis that we'll actually gain 3% on our bottom line, which one are we going to go after in the next two quarters? Right. Especially with limited resources. With limited right. resources, right? We're not hiring double the staff to pull these off we have to choose one of the two mm-hmm. i'm going at the three percent by expanding the service line as opposed to the one percent for implementing some other new tool right yeah mm-hmm. and i want to touch on the three percent that you're talking about like what where do you guys think the biggest area of opportunities are for the hospital while not being biased like genuinely like we mentioned there's there's revenue cycle there's uh there's a lot of different areas what would you say are like this is for sure if i'm going to a hospital day one and they don't have these processes built or they, this uh these workflows. Here's what I'm attacking first because it's easy. It's easy money, mm-hmm. right? What would you say that would be? Or do you have a, an idea? You smile. It's so all like, yeah. <laughs> it, that's an extremely tough question for me because um, it, it it really is unique to that organization. I, you know, I I've been a CFO in four different institutions, and from a you know financial health of the institutions. They've each had different 
problems. And so it's really what what is the issue that's causing them to not have financial health right now and uh, addressing that? Is it their revenue cycle? Is it their uh, expense in, in health care, being a service industry, typically 60 to 70 percent of our expenses are labor? So I, it's really hard for me, David, to to really say what what's the first thing I would attack. It's an analysis and of the complete situation, and then prioritizing. Yeah, I, I think that's the key part. Is when we talk about KPIs, you know what your standard KPIs are. Right? You know, with DFNB, all these the cash on hand, all these things. It, it's getting that assessment in place and knowing, hey, this is where we are. And then based off of that, figuring out what the priorities need to be. And then this kind of ties back to staffing and shortages. It's like you got to identify your priorities and mm-hmm. focus on those. Um, and then once that's done, and that's kind of when, I, when we talk about technology, is the biggest, I think, opportunity in healthcare in general is there's a lot of reactive approaches, right? We've got to look at denials or we got to go back and look at where we lose all of our charges or we got to go back. And there's so many things that we can start doing um, by changing our processes or even using technology to move those things up in the patient life cycle flow or the revenue right. cycle flow, right? Because um, there's opportunities to make sure, hey, did I register this patient properly? Did was the insurance verification correct? Did I capture the charges accurately? Were there any missed charges or not? that cash on hand days can increase significantly, right? Yes. That 1% turns into 3%. The 3% can turn into 5%. Just, it's not just about the numbers. It's the timing of the numbers or the timing of the cash. Right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that, that's a good point, right? Everything it does tend to be retro in right. healthcare, yes. right? Like, oh, based on the last year, we did a really poor job at XYZ. Therefore, mm-hmm. let's try to do something. Or COVID hit and we have no staff to register patients. Now what do we do, right? right? And so now let's go and and get the fire extinguisher out and try to figure this thing out <laughs> to keep the the hospital afloat. But why why have we not been using apps and using our cell phones for patients to get registered at a hospital before COVID? And we're, it's just a very reactive industry that that yeah. typically yes. it puts you up against the wall, whether it's regulatory like Michael talked about or COVID or something mm-hmm. else that puts them in a corner and they have to f- come out swinging and figure out more intuitive ways or, or automated ways to do things. So. Yeah. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. to, and the reason they're reactive is because healthcare is hard. Right? We it talked is about tough. it before. It, it is it's tough. not because, yeah, we don't want to do it or they don't have the, they don't have the time to do it. There's regulatory, there's a lot of compliance things. It's not easy. I mean, the, these guys and there were staffing shortages all over the place. So um, you almost have to force yourself to take time out to, to kind of do it. And, and I know that's hard. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a, question that's not necessarily related to all of this, but if you had to pick a department that's the biggest pain <laughs> consistently. I, and I can say this from, um, as I mentioned earlier, that I come from a clinical uh, background. Um, part of my career, I was uh, director of cardiopulmonary services and cardiology um, both when I was leading cardiology on the clinical side and as a CFO, uh, is one of my high watch areas. It it really is the the and I think there's a lot of factors that lead to that the uh, um, the diagnostics, the testings, and uh, the treatments are changing so significantly um, that quite often, even from uh, the CMS side of it, that the 
they can't keep up with codes on some of it. So we're providing these services and there's no codes that you can even bill for some of it. And, you know, so it's really one of those areas that um, are high. And as I sit here, talk about cardiology, because I don't want to pick on any one area. My second would be uh, medical imaging um, for the similar reason, because again, the technologies, because that is, happens to be one of the areas that uh, typically can be a financial benefit if it's managed well and managed tight. But I thought you were going to say the IT department because like, oh, they're always pushing technology. And David, that was a hell of a loaded question there. Jeez, at least Michael's going to have like all the departments he just called out. Cardio yeah. 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 Here, so. I was curious which one company is paying for the, that's, yeah, the that's, CFO. That's, that's, click, that's clickbait there. I can't let Michael uh, be the only one that gets hate mail here after picking his departments. So uh, the two that I would say that are consistently really, really difficult to manage are the high volume departments. So what we've seen consistent are pharmacy and lab. Uh, the reason being that they're so high volume, there's so many transactions, there's so many orders, so many results. I mean, we're talking thousands a day and it's really, really difficult for the, all the staff that's involved in collecting a lab specimen. That could be a nursing staff, it could be lab staff. And there's a lot of overlap in those two departments combined with the number of, of orders and the thousands of items that happen every single day in those two departments, very, very difficult to manage, very, very difficult to find any gaps you have, uh, and very, very difficult to walk through that process if you're going to try to do it manually or, or using Excel. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned manual. How does automation truly affect this bottom line concept or increasing the cash on hand? You know, what Does it really play a big part in your, your ecosystem, especially as a CFO? Clinicians are working, you know, hard out there. But any time that their documentation, uh, their actions, uh, Greg mentions pharmacy, you know, we're, we're scanning the medications, we're scanning wristbands, and we're delivering the medication there. Well, that charge better be there by doing that, you know. And instead of somebody have to go back and, and look at, the uh, medical administration record and take the charges off of that. What, you know, that's the way we used to perform. And, you know, I, I still see organizations today still doing some of that work. So um, automation is extremely helpful. Yeah. And not to put a plug by any means in relation to uh, the services that Avli provides, but if I'm not mistaken, Greg, you know, this gentleman pretty well. <laughs> to a degree. And I got to ask, was the, was the transition on your end, was it helpful from a financial level? Yeah. When um, we, we really, from an automated process, uh, one specific area, and this is an organization uh, that has uh, about a, 150 million of net revenue. And we were able to generate $4 million of through automation, and it specifically was related to pharmacy um, and the absence of drug charges uh, that weren't going through. And we were able to fix that, get that automated, and get that hardwired. And, it, and it's tough, right? We, we talked about uh, doing this stuff on paper, and we assume when you scan it, the med, that it automatically drops the charge. But if you have 3,000 of those scenarios, 
how do you find the hundred that didn't? Right. Well, you, well, you don't, right? I mean, it's the hope and pray method. And so having an automated way to say, out of these 3,000, show me the hundred that didn't. Here's the hundred. Go fix those. Let's generate that four million that is services that you provided anyway and it should have been charging appropriately for anyway. Right. Um, that's really the key, right? Yeah. The biggest goal of a CFO and potentially anybody that works in the hospital is obviously to serve the community. The only way that you can do it, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, the CFO is in charge of making sure that there's cash on hand and how many days that is. We want to get to about that 80 day mark. And uh, your biggest job is to make sure that this stays afloat, right? And how do you do that? There's a whole plethora of options out there, one of which is automation. And in, in terms of your overall goal, if you're achieving that, you are then serving the community. Fair to say? Fair. Cool. Hopefully I didn't butcher that recap of it all. Do you guys have anything else that I mentioned? And- no, the, the only thing I would kind of add with or, or end with, it's a bit of a, is from a financial or revenue cycle perspective is it, again, just a having the visibility to look at backwards, right? Where we are, um, where we are today. And then just the, the forecasting piece, I think is kind of key with the goal in mind of how do we move that stuff up? Because one of the things, you know, and just to plug out, I believe is like, we're all about how to make sure that every service that the hospitals provide that is supposed to be billable or chargeable is charged and captured, right? And how do we do that? And how do we pull that up into that patient life cycle or the revenue life cycle as well, too? Because I think that's what's going to make the greatest impact and help um, make the staffing easier, their lives easier as well as get the revenue that the community needs so that hospital can survive and thrive and, and fulfill their mission. I really want to make sure that we tie it back to episode four with the staffing shortage, because, you know, this making sure that we're getting those charges and capturing shouldn't be a burden to the clinicians that are trying to focus on the patient. It's putting the proper automation in to make their jobs more efficient um and leveraging that staffing that you have there yeah yeah and the only thing that i'll close with is that is michael you asked him the the question of name the one thing that you would go after which is impossible right there's a million and it really is dependent on what hospital yeah um, so I, I think what's kind of key is checking the box and eliminating mm-hmm. the, if we have a, a list of 100 things that could be the thing that we need to fix at a hospital yeah let's check one off. And so now we're at 99. Let's check another one off, right? So whether it's automating a charge reconciliation process or patient access registration issue, check one off the list and you get down to this narrow focus to say, all right, now we have five things left to do out of the 100 mm-hmm. that we, we could have needed to fix when we originally got here. So Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Well, I appreciate you guys being on here and going over this with us today. Thanks so much for listening. Again, I'm David Kozlowski with the RevTech RX podcast powered by Avalid. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Take care.